Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now a message from Pastor Paul Kern. I want to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time, especially those joining us on our live stream and, and our podcast. It's always good to have you be a part. You made a good decision being here, and I'm excited. It's been a while since I've got to share the word with you guys. I'm real busy with a, a whole bunch of young adults, and so um, I'm not able to get up here and preach as much, but I always am thankful when I do get to get up and preach. And so I do have a message for you today. Um, every year, especially for those of you who are joining us and if you're new, uh, each year we have a vision or direction that we go for our church that the Holy Spirit gives our church. And this year it is the just shall live by faith. So we've been talking a whole lot about faith this year and developing our faith. And I just want to continue uh, in that vein talking about that. I've preached a lot of sermons on faith, heard a lot of sermons, preached on faith, uh, heard a lot of good ones, and heard some that weren't so good. I think there are a lot of misconceptions in Christianity about faith, um, especially in America. You know, I, I, just as people do, we tend to take a truth and go to an extreme. And when we do, we fall off in a ditch and we get a little, little out there. And uh, because of that, I've seen people get a little disillusioned and even some people deeply hurt because of a faith message that was preached um, that wasn't biblically based. It was more feelings-based. It appealed to our emotions, and it sounded good, but the Scripture says there is a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. And I think it's very important in our church, one of the things we want to make sure that we always do, and those of you that listen on our broadcast, is that we're rooting everything that we say in, in truth, in what God's Word says. So we're going to look at God's Word today, and we're going to look at faith from that perspective. And, and I certainly do not have all the answers to faith, that's why God gave us the gift of faith, right? We don't have all the answers. Um, but I do have some things that I want to offer that I think can be helpful. First and foremost, before I get into our message, I think it's important for all of us to be reminded, we know this, but I think it's important to be reminded that, that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So he is the foundation upon which we build everything. And if it ever veers away from that in any way, then it's not biblical faith. And we, we want to make sure that our faith is biblical because the things that are rooted in truth will work. Right. Amen? Right. Truth works. It's very pragmatic. It works. But if it's not rooted in truth, sometimes, you know, that's not going to produce what we want it to Produce. So we just want to make sure that we're rooted in Jesus and in his teachings, and that is our priority over everything else. And so with that being said, I have three guiding principles and just three things today that I want to uh, unpack for us about faith. So for those of you that are taking notes, the title of my message is Developing Your Faith, and here is point number one. Point number one, your faith must be anchored in truth. In other words, faith is not subjective. Faith isn't based in temporary feelings. Faith isn't some supernatural force that you get God to give you what you want. If your faith isn't anchored in God's word, if it's not anchored in truth, then your faith will be ineffective. I'm so glad my faith is not anchored in me because I change with moods and with years, right? God's the same, help me, Yesterday, today, and forever. That's a very long time, by the way. So faith is only as sure as its source. So our faith has to be anchored in the source of God's Word. And that's why we say faith isn't subjective. It's not subjective to feelings or culture or change or time Faith is objective, and the object of our faith is God's Word, God's truth. That's what our faith is anchored in. As a matter of fact, that's what gives our faith its value. That's why faith is valuable, because we, faith finds its value in its object, right? So if you put your faith in something, well, it's only as good as the object that you place it in. So our faith is based in God's Word. It is the object of our faith. Now, 
Like I said, our faith isn't subjective to our feelings. So, let me just say this, because I think we have a hard time with this. A person could be in full faith even if they don't feel anything. I'm going to say that again, because that's hard for some. You can be in full faith and not feel anything. For example, you could pray in faith for someone to be healed who is sick, and you have doubt. You can act in faith to give financially to somebody, and you yourself could have limited resources. Amen? There's probably people in this room that have done that. You can act in faith to pray for someone's salvation, and by all appearances, they are a long ways for repenting over their sinful lifestyle. I mean, there's no sign at all that they're any closer to Jesus than they were a year ago. But you, you can pray in faith for them because our faith is not subjective on what is going on our faith is objective, and it finds its value in its source, God's Word. Amen? So, we do this because our faith is anchored in a higher reality of truth. See, even if my mind fights me, even if my reason works against me in a situation, and it's going to because, you know, read the book of Romans. It talks about two natures, right? They're enemies. You have the carnal nature, you have the spiritual nature. They're constantly warring against each other. And as long as we're in this earth suit until Jesus comes back, that war will continue. So our logic, our reason, our rational mind, our feelings, our emotions, they will all fight against us. But even if my mind fights me and my reason comes against me, even if my emotions are not favorable or in the direction that I want them to go, there is a higher reality of truth that I'm living on. See, this is why we've read Hebrews 11 so much. Faith is the, help me, substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence or the reality of things not seen that have not come to pass yet. Now, there's a great example of this in Scripture. Go with me. Look, look in Luke chapter 5. I want to look at this with you, just because I want to give you some examples. And I want to base this on Scripture. So Luke chapter 5, this is an event that happened in the life of Jesus a couple thousand years ago. On the other side of the world, Jesus was out and about. And it says in verse 1, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to God's word. Well, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, he asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there, because water does a good job of carrying, you know, they didn't have microphones, so that carried his voice better. Well, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So here's Simon's response. Master, <laughs> we've worked hard all night. We've been up all night fishing, and we didn't catch anything. The fish are not biting. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. <clears throat> and this time, <laughs> everybody say this time. Mm. Their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Well, a shout for help brought the partners of the other boat. Soon the boats were filled with fish, and they were on the verge of sinking. They had so many fish. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Yeah, I bet he did. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Because obviously, they weren't the best fishermen. <clears throat> and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, notice Simon Peter's response to Jesus. 
This doesn't make any sense to me. We've already tried this. I've been down this road before. Fish aren't biting. But because you say so, I'll cast my nets on the other side. Now, we're, now listen. Listen, church. We're talking what? Six feet difference? Like, I was just here. I'm going to scooch to the other side of the boat <laughs> and throw them here. It's like same body of water made no sense but but here's the principle that's being revealed here and it's so important that we get a hold of this as we're going to follow the lord faith acted on obedience outside of reason and logic i'm gonna say that again you have to have faith that you act on in obedience that goes outside any reason or logic that you may have. Now, that means acting on what God says in spite of your opinions, in spite of what your friends are telling you, in spite of your past experiences. I always like what Josh says, you know, he says, don't base your theology on your past experiences, base your past experiences on your theology, right? So it's so important that, that our theology, that we're standing on the truth of God's word. So faith is acting on truth whether or not it makes a lot of sense to us. Because lots of times it's not going to make a lot of sense to us. Our mind and our emotions are often the greatest enemy of faith. Literally. They're often the greatest enemy of God's word. I don't know, I don't know about you guys. I, you know, I, I have to have conversations with Paul. Because I just don't think right. Is anybody in the room like that? I mean, I, I, I will be in a situation. I know what I ought to think. But then I'm fighting these thoughts that I know I'm not supposed to be thinking. And I'm even mad that they're there. And what is even more irritating is that I'm listening to them. And I know that they are wrong words and wrong thoughts. But I'm still entertaining those thoughts. And, you know, once again, let's go back to Romans chapter 8, and we can read all about Apostle Paul talking about this. See, our mind and emotions are often the greatest enemies. You know, God may move on you to befriend someone that you don't even know very well. You don't even have things in common. But the Holy Spirit is moving on you to befriend them because God's wanting to do something new in your life. Now, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to step out in faith. Well, what if they reject me? What if I say the wrong thing? What if it's embarrassing? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? I mean, God may move on you to get involved in a ministry in our church. And, and you personally struggle with insecurity and a lack of confidence in your abilities. Yet you feel this prompting, which you know it in you, because you would never have come up with that idea. See, your insecurity will keep you right where you are. So you know it's not you. You know it's the Lord prompting you. But what you're going to have to do is, is you're, going to have to, you're going to have to get into a higher reality of thinking, hear the voice of your Father, step out in faith and then trust that God is going to help you because God's biddings are God's enablings. God's not going to call you to do something that he's not going to enable you to accomplish. Can I have an amen? And it's true. I'm not telling you anything that isn't true. It's true. God may call you to go to a college that none of your friends are going to. Makes no sense. I've never even been to that state. I don't know anybody there. But that's okay. I, I remember a story where God called a man named Abram to go to a land and a country that he did not know. And God established him. See, this is, this is what stepping out in faith and trusting in God's word looks like. For us, it's acting in obedience. When we act in obedience by faith, it opens the door to God's blessings. You know, I think about early in 
my wife, Angela, and our, our marriage, we had very little money, you know, which most married couples, when they first get married, do have very little money. You have limited resources, and, um, and, and you have needs, and you have some wants, but you don't have a lot of money to meet those needs, and you especially don't have money to meet the wants. <laughs> and we, we were in that same boat, just so you know. Some of you that are, you know, younger and married, that's kind of where you start out. That doesn't mean God isn't faithful. What that means is, is God's going to train you to trust in his great faithfulness. But when you're in that situation, you're, you have one or two options. You're either going to focus on your lack of resources and your temporary, you know, amount of money that you have, or by faith, you can say Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then you can live blessed. Because then you open the door through your obedience. And I, I, I wish I could just stand up here and tell you so many miracle stories that Angela and I have of God moving in our life. Just miracle stories that that my wife and I and Tim and Terry could share with you about what God has done in this ministry. I remember, um, and this just came to my mind, and this was a long time ago, so I'm like having to pull it way out of the attic. But um, I remember Tim, he was 35. God called him to start a Bible college out in the middle of a cow pasture. Okay, well, that's probably not the best idea. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Who's going to come to a Bible college in a cow pasture? Well, God drew all kinds of people here. It's just amazing. And now look where we're at. We've had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of young adults come through here. And, you know, our church is so much richer and better because of the young adult community that we have here in our ministry. We're so blessed. I couldn't imagine Christian ministry without them. And I remember Tim stepping out in faith in those early years. I would go into his office. It was a train car that he had converted to an office. And um, I would see Rolades and Tums sitting around on shelves everywhere. And I was thinking, hmm, okay. I don't know if I want that position. <laughs> but I remember Tim talking, and, and he came in to prayer one day with the interns and he was saying you know we need to pray for a van because I want to I want to pack you guys up and I want to travel and I want to go do and I want to speak and I want to share what God's laid on my heart and you know we've all been blessed by the words and the wisdom of Tim and Terry in our church well I want to go spread that word so we need to pray and uh, so we prayed we prayed for a van I mean it wasn't hardly any time Tim came pulling up in this I think it was a black and silver van somebody just gave him the keys God told me to to bless you and give it to you brand new brand spanking new and he loaded all of us up and we drove all over the countryside in that van spreading the message that God had given him now that's an example and I, oh, I just wished I had time I could tell you so many miracle stories so many miracle stories now, here's what I want to make sure you understand. There were no signs of a van. There were probably no signs of any money coming in. That's why he was taking so much Tums. But knowing God's truth and standing in faith. See, I, I got taught this early in life by my leaders. You stand on God's truth. You pray in faith. When you do this, you're able to stand on that and you can see results. God can move in your life. Now, there's just something about standing in faith. Now, it's not, it's not necessarily easy, but there's one great thing about standing in faith. When, in other words, okay, when I say standing, faith is the, help me, 
substance that you stand on. You have no evidence. This is your substance. This is what you stand on. Okay, I, I can't see it. I'm hoping for it. So I'm standing on God's promises. I'm standing by faith on His Word. And here's what happens. Here's the cool thing about faith, because faith will always gift you with a blessing. And the gift of faith is peace. See, faith will calm the storms of worry and anxiety in your life. What are we going to do? What do we, how are we going to make it? How's, what's going to come through? I, I don't know. I don't know what, I can't tell you the answer. I don't know how that need's going to be met. I don't know how you're going to get your healing. I don't know how that job's going to open up. I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you'll stand by faith and obedience, faith will give you peace. I mean, even in the midst of the unanswerables of life, there is a peace that passes all, come on, help me, understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, when you walk in faith, the devil cannot torment you. He cannot subject you to anxiety and worry and depression and fear. Now, I'm not saying we don't fight these things, but that's why it says fight the good fight of faith. And as Pastor Josh always says, and I think this is such a good saying, we fight from a position of victory. Amen? The battle's already been won. We're just, we're just putting our stake in the ground, and we make a rally cry for everybody to gather around of here is the ground that we've been given, here is the ground that we're holding by faith. And we can have peace knowing that, hey, God's going to help it make it happen because we stand in faith. All right, number two. Faith grows in the dark. Faith grows in the dark. Write this down. Faith is birthed in adversity. It's birthed in adversity. You know, faith is not needed when you have all the answers. Faith is not needed when everything's going your way. That's, that's not when faith is necessary. See, faith is formed and finds its true measure under trial and testing. See, one of the things I loved most about moving to Arkansas when I moved here when I was 23 was it was the natural state. And I grew up on a farm. I've always loved the outdoors. And I started, you know, coming into Arkansas and, man, I saw these rolling hills and these beautiful lakes, all the hiking, the outdoors. I was sold. Now, I mean, it's not, there's not big cities. You know, that's, that's not what you moved to Arkansas for. You moved to Arkansas for the, for the beauty of nature. And, man, we got it. I mean, as a matter of fact, we live so close right here on Scenic Highway 7. I was on my motorcycle yesterday. I was going down Scenic Highway 7, had worship music playing in my ears as I was riding my motorcycle, and I was just, I was grinning from ear to ear. I was thinking, it doesn't get any better than this right here. And I was all by myself, and I was just as happy as I could be. But, but one thing that I've always really enjoyed is going outside at night and looking up at the sky and seeing the stars. You know, Arkansas has some of the prettiest skies. As a matter of fact, if you want to see the Milky Way, you just go to a place where there's no noise pollution or, or light pollution, and, and man, you will be amazed at what you will see. And, and I like doing that because I like going out underneath the stars and praying. I don't know, I just feel uh, so much more connected to God. When I'm out underneath the sky, looking at the stars in the night sky and praying. It's just, it, there's nothing that I can compare. And I remember one evening, I, I looked up at the sky and I saw one star in the entire sky, just one. There, there wasn't a lot of stars. But as the minutes passed, more and more stars began to appear to me. Now here's the, the thing. Fact is, the stars were in the right place when I first looked. I just couldn't see them until the darkness 
begin to envelop me. And the more the darkness enveloped me, the brighter the stars and the more evident or the more evidence of their glory I began to see. And just like those stars shone brighter and brighter as it got darker and darker, I'm going to tell you, church, and I wished it wasn't this way, but it is. My greatest lessons of faith and my greatest experiences of God's presence, God's power, and God's peace in my life has happened in some of the darkest moments of my life, some of the most difficult times of my life. And, and if I could encourage those who are listening today who are experiencing trials, and you know, all of us are to one degree or another, or maybe some of you listening, I don't, I don't know what it is that you're facing today, but I want to encourage you that if you feel surrounded by darkness, look to God and allow God to illuminate his love and his faithfulness and his presence in your life. I think it's so easy to get caught up on and focus on all of our trials and miss the bigness of God and, and that delivering, awesome, mighty Father that He is in our lives. I think that's easy to do. And just like those stars are faithful to appear each night, God's faithful to show up every time, every single time. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. Because here's why. God, God is the same. Yesterday, help me, today, and forever. And like I said, that's a mighty long time. See, the scripture says God works through trials for our good. Trials test our hearts. They expose where our faith is still immature and it needs to grow. They also reveal how we've grown in our faith. I mean, think about it. Look, okay, I get it. You're not where you want to be. But you're sure not where you used to be. God's brought you a long ways. Things that used to would have taken you out. Things that at one point in time were like giants in your life. Now it's like, that's no big deal. It's like, I, I've already loaded my slingshot and, I mean, put one right there on that guy, send another one. That's no big deal. See, we have victories and we grow as a result of those struggles and those battles and those wars. See, trials help us become stronger and more resilient over time. You know, think about it. When you were first a Christian, I mean, God's instructions were pretty fundamental. I mean, you got baptized, and God began to work on you to change your lifestyle. I mean, those were the things that God did in your life. I mean, that was for me. I came here, I got baptized, and I began to working on changing my lifestyle because my lifestyle needed to change. It was not producing anything good for me. But see, as you learn to trust in God more deeply, God begins to develop your character to match the bigger test. And that's why we, we count it all joy, James says, when we encounter trials of various kinds. Because what God is doing is he is maturing us, he is developing us, he is making us stronger and more resilient for greater trials and tests. See, the, the, the greater the blessing, oftentimes the greater the trial and test to get you to the blessing. And that's, that's biblical. Look at it. We can see all through the Scripture where that happened to different people. And so we recognize that, that faith is, is created in, in, and grows in dark moments in our lives. And that's why it's so important. The Scripture says, He that is faithful in a small thing 
will also be faithful in a bigger thing. He who is unfaithful in a small thing will also be unfaithful in a big thing. Everybody wants breakthrough. We all want breakthrough. God has breakthrough for you, for me, for, for all of us, and we've all experienced it. But, but here's the thing that you have to understand about breakthrough. Breakthrough is a result of you remaining faithful and obedient in menial things over a long period of time. And then all of a sudden, you're going to wake up one day and there's your breakthrough. I mean, it happened for you. See, this is how faith works. This is how God grows us in our faith, which leads me to point number three. Faith endures. Faith endures. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we've been in Hebrews chapter 11 quite a bit this year. And, you know, our... Our main scripture is found there, and we, we basically all know it by now. Hebrews chapter 12 ties right in. So Hebrews 11 is talking about faith and what faith looks like, and it gives us all these examples of all these men and women of God who walked in faith and, and did these great exploits, and then these men and women of God who endured very difficult trials and tests in their life so it gives us all these great examples and then hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says therefore well therefore what therefore what you just read since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith let us strip off every weight that slows us down now for everybody that can be something different you just have to identify your weight that could be a friend that could be a phone, that could be a thought, that could be any, all kinds of things. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with, say that word with me, endurance. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he, there's that word again, endured the cross disregarding its shame now he is seated in the place of honor beside god's throne see faith is a lot like running a marathon <clears throat> it really really is a runner subjects himself to suffering because he knows his present suffering is necessary if he is going to build up the endurance needed to cross the finish line and receive the prize that's why it says count it all joy. I don't know what you're facing right now, but you're in a marathon. Your trial is not a problem for you to avoid. Your trial is the very essence that God is using to grow your faith. See, we run from the very thing that we need to embrace and count it all joy because that's what builds up our endurance so that we can finish the course. Can I have an amen? That's some good preaching. I should have got an amen on that. Josh is trying to work on y'all and get you there. Now, faith requires a steady, daily dependence on God's character and God's word. Daily. Just like you eat meals. If you don't eat properly, you will get weak. You will perish, right? Well, Jesus said, you know, man doesn't live on bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So faith requires a steady daily dependence. And if our faith doesn't exhibit a daily dependence, then when challenges and trials come, you'll be too out of shape to endure to see the final result, spiritually speaking, okay? That's why Galatians exhorts us. It says, do not grow weary in what? In well-doing, for in things hoped for, in due season, you will reap a reward of blessing if you do not give up. See, God wants to grow our faith. <clears throat> now, here's a, another really great thing, and I was just thinking about 
so many people in my life who have been such great examples to me and have blessed me. But another important thing about your faithful obedience to God and you walking by faith is not only does it create endurance for you, but your, your love and obedience and faithfulness to God creates memorials and legacy. Now, I've done funerals. You do that when you're in our position. <clears throat> Some are good. There is, there is such a thing as a good funeral and a bad funeral, by the way. Now, it's all bad in the sense that we have to say goodbye to people that we love. But I, I've been to funerals where it was not necessarily a good funeral. But then I've been to funerals where it's like, man, what a, what a great memorial because of the legacy of that person's life. Josh talks about this um, moment in Scripture a lot in, in Mark chapter 14. He talks about the woman coming into Simon's house, and she has that alabaster jar that's full of that real expensive perfume, and, um, you know, it's like a year's wage. So it was a huge sacrifice for her to take this very expensive perfume and just spill it out all over Jesus' head and let it run all the way down to his feet. And so, you know, it's an incredible thing that she did. And, and something interesting that Jesus said here, and it's always kind of stuck out to me. I've never really quite understood it, but I really got a hold of this this week as I was looking at this. In Mark chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in memory of her. Now, this woman performed an act of love for Jesus. She didn't do it to impress the disciples. She didn't do it to draw attention to herself, public attention. She didn't even do it to gain praise from Jesus. That wasn't why she did it. She just sought to express her love for the Lord through this act of faithful obedience that cost her. And Jesus was moved by this act so much that he deemed her worthy of remembrance throughout history. And some 2,000 years later, here we are, we're talking about this woman and this one act that this woman did of faithful obedience. Jesus created a memorial of her life. Now, I just want you to think about this a minute, because I think it's such a good idea to put our, our feet in the sandals of the people that went before us back in those days. Abraham couldn't have known the day that he demonstrated his willingness to sacrifice his son, Isaac, that that would be memorialized. That his act would be a blessing and an encouragement to people for generations to come. There's no way he ever could have had that thought in his mind that that was going to happen. I think about David. David never could have known that his walk, just his walk with God, just his faithful obedience to God every day, day in and day out, day in and day out, that so many generations would hear of his faith and obedience. And here's the thing, God can take your faithfulness and he can begin a spiritual legacy that will make your life a blessing for generations to come. Just your act of faith, God can memorialize your life. And we all have people, you know, there are people in here who had a very spiritual grandmother, very spiritual grandfather, a spiritual leader in their life, somebody who's gone on to be with the Lord that we so admire, we look up to, we're motivated, we're encouraged just by how they lived their life in faithful obedience to God. And listen, you, you'll never know until eternity all who received a blessing because of your righteous lifestyle. You could never possibly know that. And that's why it's so important that you daily express your love and devotion to Jesus by remaining faithful to him when you feel like it and when you don't and the fact is yes there will be times that you don't 
feel like it. Even though he is so incredibly worthy of it and good, in your flesh, you will still have days that you don't feel like it. But that's why we walk by faith and not by feelings. Faith guides our life. It is the compass that leads us. Now, I'm not sure what you're facing today. We have people here that I don't necessarily know all the circumstances of your life as well as I may know others, and there's people listening that I've never even met. I don't know what you might be struggling with in your walk with God or in your faith to trust Him. But I want to encourage you that you're creating a legacy. Every day by what you do, and it's interesting. I, I can think of, I, I mean, I don't know, I just, I just think about this, but I can think of a lot of things that would have stuck out to Jesus that he could have memorialized over that. So I, I, I just think that sometimes what, what we think, we don't really know what's important to God sometimes. That's what I'm saying. We don't really know what sticks out to the Lord. It may be you just taking somebody out to lunch. And that was like a big deal. Because God used that moment just to, it could be you sending a text. It could be you making a phone call. It could be you and, you know, your, your mate coming together and say, we want to bless this couple or this person with this, or we want to provide that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why Jesus chose to highlight that. Only Jesus knows that. But it's those, it's those little acts of faithfulness every day that add up. So I, as I end my sermon, I want to leave you with just a little encouragement about enduring faith. Enduring faith. There's a poem, and um, I, I couldn't have known years ago the impact this was going to have on me because I didn't know what all was in front of me. At the time that I got this, I was much younger. But there's been this poem in my life that when things get hard, I read it. And I want to read it to you because it's been such encouragement to me. You can Google it. It's called The Race by D. Groberg. I've read it many, many, many times. I used to read it a lot to interns. But here's the poem, The Race by D. Groberg. Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race, a children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each to win the race, or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son, and each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. Well, the whistle blew, and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Well, trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place. And amidst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. And as he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. And he quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs and he slipped, fell again. Well, he wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face. And with a steady look that said again, get up 
and win the race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. And exceeding everything he had, he regained eight, then 10. But trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat. He lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense in running anymore. Three strikes. I'm out. Why try? I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up. An echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all, for all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Get up, the echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. And he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran like he could win. Three times he had fallen, stumbling. Three times he rose again. Too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. Well, they cheered another boy who crossed the line first place, head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. Mm. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he won that race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race, with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair Shout loudly in my face. Another voice within me says, Get up. Get up and win the race. As I close my message, I want to remind you that the goal of faith is not to get things from God. Although God does want to bless his kids, no doubt about it. But I think the real goal of faith is to remain faithful and obedient to the Lord even when things don't make a lot of sense. And if you do, your life will be memorialized. And many people will be blessed by your life. Long after your life is over. We're in it to win it. You're in it to win it. 
You got to win it as a student. You got to win it as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a brother, as a sister, as a member of the body of Christ. You're in it to win it. And you do this by walking and living by faith every single day. Amen? Amen. You guys stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your great faithfulness. Lord, forgive us when we, we get our eyes off the prize. And Lord, the prize is you. It's you. And it's being with you into eternity. And being blessed by your presence forever and ever and ever. And Lord, just remind us when sin encompasses us, And when hardship is all around us, remind us. Let us catch your gaze up in the stands, looking down on us while we are in the arena called life. And like all of that cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, let us be found faithful. to our generation that we were found faithful to accomplish the purpose for which we were placed in this world for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us be heavenly-minded, for having an eternal perspective of our life and we give you all the praise in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen God bless you have a great day thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church if this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry you can give at cmchurch.com if you'd like to listen to more of our messages you can find us on Facebook Instagram and YouTube just search for Christian Ministries God bless Thank you.